welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, season four, episode number 16, with our production engineer, Sanyum Shrestha, in the control room, the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and we are like the mail, Matt, because <laughs> winter storm olive is pounding the upper Midwest, including the Twin Ports, but... Here we are. <laughs> snow be damned, we are here. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> You can blame me for it, yes or no. I, I was the one in charge of either pulling the plug or keep it going. So, I said I was on campus anyway. Sonny yeah. lives on campus. Yeah, so. so I mean, it was up to me because I have a very long commute, as you know. And I gave the thumbs up. I'm the green lighter, so it's my you, fault if, if you're it apologizing go. to anybody. It's going to be to the guests who are going to come on in the next segment. Right? So. Yeah, exactly. So my bad if it goes badly, but that's uh, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, you, you basically texted me this morning and said, what do you think? And I was like, you know, it's because I could tell it wasn't too bad from where I was at that point. And, um, you, you left it up to me and I said, well, how is it over on the other side of the bridge? And you said, that's okay over here. The streets were fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, the, the streets were fine coming in this morning. Right. The, the worst part was the walk between my house and the garage. Right. Cause yeah. the drifts are so high that. Well, I will. I will. I shoveled about eight feet and said, "You know, I this, will say this is why he bought a snowblower, dude." I'm glad that we record this in the morning, though, because if we waited till the afternoon for whatever reason, mm -hmm. then I would have pulled the plug yeah. because it's going to get pretty nasty. I mean, it was. It's pretty obvious already that it's going to get pretty bad by the end of the day. So I was, you know. Put it this way, the Weather Channel brought Jim Cantori to the upper Midwest. <laughs> you know it's a party when Jim right, Cantori shows right. up. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I, I checked uh, online to see how many closures there were and how many delays and all this kind of stuff. And yep. There wasn't as many as I thought, but there are quite a few. Yep. So I was like, okay, um, you know, can we can we do this thing right now? The biggest thing is there's not a lot of snow falling at the moment, but there will be. Well, <laughs> and, but yeah, the, but and the wind is humming at 40 miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, and the, the wind is moving, and it's cold right now. It's I think cold. Temperature's like four or five degrees right now as yeah. we record this. So, something like that. Um, and so, you know, I for me, I took the long way around, and I told you I was going to do that because mm -hmm. uh, going across Blatnik today would not have been a joyous experience, I don't no. think. Um, so, Bong Bridge was uh, definitely in my wheelhouse today. But um, it's, it, you know, it is what it is, and you accept it when you live up here. Uh, but you just have to be smart. The people who are shocked and are upset about this, like, where do you think you live? This is just part of living up here. That's why I tell everybody. You that. know, it's yeah, yeah. lake effect snow is a thing. It's not a joke. No. And you live with it. You just you deal with it. If you want to live on the shores of Lake Superior, this is what happens. Yep. You know, it just is, you know, you take the good with the bad. Those days in July where it's absolutely pristine in this area. Yep. That's also That's why we Superior. live here, but yeah. the trade-off is a day like today. Right. I mean, Lake Superior does both good and bad when Correct. it comes to the weather. Um, it holds good weather when we have it, and it also holds bad weather when we have it. Yep. Not always, but, you know, it tends to have. That's why they call it lake effect. Yep. Um, you know, and it is what it is. If you're going to live on a great lake, whether it's Lake Michigan or Lake Huron or any, you know, Lake Superior or any other ones, you know, that's just part of the deal. Mm -hmm. And you can take it or you can't. But I'm always, you know, it's um, – it's funny because my answer to everyone is always the same thing. Tis the season. Yep. It's February. It is. <laughs> you know, you're, you're living on Lake Superior in February. This, these are things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, and it doesn't bother me. I'm one of those people who's always had it around, I feel like, you know, after all these years now right. living on the shores of Lake Superior in one place or another. Yep. Um, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't trade it for anything. No. I mean, I don't mind dealing with it as long as I get the back end fun the, in the summer. There's times yeah. where you're going, <laughs> so sick of moving snow and where am i going to put this right but it, it, last week we had rain oh i it know melted right? yeah. a lot of the snow that was here it's created some ice issues but 
it just it cleared the way for this storm to come in and replace everything that yeah. melted off in the rain. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, we have a baseball and softball coach on campus, respectively, that and are playing their hair out of their heads. But well, I, exactly, because yeah, they just, were like baseball is supposed to play this weekend, and yeah, you know yeah. now that's gone by the wayside. I will say this though for TJ, he did tell me that was he was. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, that was yeah, dicey. That from was the dicey from the start. He yeah. was. Hoping beyond hope that it would just last because Iowa didn't have any snow appreciably when they, right. you know, when they start you know, when they scheduled those games, and uh, this was into I think November and December they were talking about mm-hmm. this, so it was like, well, if if things hold, we'll try it. Right. Well, you know, unfortunately, Mother Nature said, no, no, you don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not trying anything, and now, it's yeah, just, when you get it at this time, you know, late February. Now every single time it snows, you're pushing back your your outdoor start. Yeah, yeah, and baseball is much tougher than softball because yep. softball has indoor domes. There's a several of them around, so you yep. can actually get games in if you're willing to travel. It's not ideal, but no, it's not ideal, but it's at least something. Baseball doesn't have that. It's U.S. Bank or nothing. Yeah. So if you're not playing at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, then you're not playing. Anywhere. And even they've cut back on the number of games that they're allowing people to play. T.J. was telling me that they were allowing schools one date. That was it for everybody in the area to play at U.S. Bank. Everybody got one. Oh wow! Yep. Well, so, that's the, the and that makes it even tougher. It makes it even more difficult. Which you know, and logistically, it doesn't really make sense to me, just mm-hmm. because I don't know if there's some sort of, you know, issue there or not. I mean, rent, I don't know, renting that I, building first of all costs an arm and a leg. Well, and, I, and I would yeah, think it's, because it's so much of it is publicly funded, right? Yeah, that they would say, well, you have to continue to do this, but I don't know what the politics are around it. I don't well, know. Well, for a while, they, they were playing like 24 hours a day, pretty right. much. I think the last couple of days or years, they've been playing pretty much 24-7 in there during the spring. Right. You know, so, you know, I was kind of surprised to hear that, you know, and then there's also the umpire shortage, <laughs> which is another issue. <laughs> Boy, no <laughs> is, kidding. Yeah, I mean, Boy, that was no one that kidding. I did not expect to crap up last year, but it did. Yep. And, uh, geez, I mean, there, it feels like you're – on the baseball side, you're just—it's always an uphill climb. Yep. You know, so no, no be that as it may, but no doubt about it. But yeah. anyway, let's uh, weather report aside. Yeah. It is snowing. It's very windy. It's going to keep snowing for the next 12 hours, and hopefully, travel on Friday is not impacted too much because we already had schedule changes and all of that. And, right. Yeah. Um, now we, we we really don't have time for anymore. We don't so. have any room to be able yeah. to change things any further. But at any rate, there was a lot of action last week. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we'll start out with men's basketball. They finished the regular season 16 and nine overall, 10 and four in the UMAC. Regular season is now complete. And they are the number two seed now in the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference Tournament, which, awesome. as you've talked about, has been now rescheduled a couple times already. But uh, right now set for Friday and, and Sunday. And we'll talk more about that in a second here. Uh, won their final three regular season games at the Yellow Jackets, including posting a sweep to gain that number two seed this past weekend, defeating Minnesota Morris 82-75 to on – or 82-74, to excuse me, on Friday, and then crowned a clinch number two seed outright 72-61. to on Saturday, both those games were played at the Mertz against Morris on Friday. The Yellow Jackets took an 18-point lead into the final two minutes of the opening half, led by nine at the break, and then they never trailed the rest of the way. Shot 45.9% in that contest and had four players scoring double figures. Javon Walker, your reigning UMAC player of the week now. The rubber was, Duck had a week. Yeah, he did. Boy, did he ever. 23 points in the contest. He was 6 for 12 from the field and also made 10 out of 12 from the line. He also had seven rebounds and five assists, so he had put in some work that day. Joseph Fahrenholtz, 18 points. Reed Johnson had 11, as did Joey Barker in that contest. And then on Saturday against Crown, the L Jackets and Polars headed to the intermission dead even on the 30-30 draw before the L Jackets outscored the Polars 42-31 after the break to pick up the win. The L Jackets shot 47.5%. And it was a much bigger 
gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were up by 18. With 18, about I think. Three minutes yeah, to go, about two or three, and then they emptied out the benches and yep, so on and so forth. Javon Walker, 28 points. Walker was 11 of 12 from the field, or 11 of 20, excuse me, from the field. T.J. Moberg had 14 points, and Fahrenholtz had 11. And like I said, Walker was named UMAC Player of the there Week. There was a stretch early in the second half there, too, where I think Javon scored six or eight straight points, and, and yeah, he, he, was, he couldn't miss anything. No, he was hitting everything there yeah. for a while and really carrying the Yellow Jackets. He's been playing really, really well for about the last three weeks or so. Yeah, he's so, been really good. Yeah, so that's a really good sign for them going into the tournament. We'll talk more about that, of course, in the final segment. Women's basketball, how about them? 10-13, and 13, they finish up 8-6 and six in the UMAC. Regular season is now complete for them. They're the number three seed in the UMAC tournament, and I'm not sure how many people would have thought that would be the case at the start of the year considering the situation. Well, I think he could have laid a lot of money on that in Vegas and <laughs> made a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was Because it, they've been playing really well. They've been playing extremely well down the stretch. And, yeah. You know, I mean, the preseason poll laid that out when you, right, yeah. you hire your interim coach in August and they've had no time to recruit. I don't think anybody in the UMAC no. expected anything out right. of them. But they've uh, they've done put in some work as well. Extremely proud of the job, Emily. Yeah, Emily done. Emily Carpenter's done a fantastic job as the interim this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Close out the regular season the same way the men did, winning their last three and posting a sweep this past weekend to get into the UMAC tournament, defeating Minnesota Morris fifty four to fifty two on Friday before downing Crown sixty two to forty nine to clinch that number three seed. Both games are played at the Mertz. On Friday against Morris, that was a heck of a ball game. The Yellow Jackets trailed 13-11 after one before outscoring the Cougars 14-7 in the second to lead 25-20 at the half. From there, the Yellow Jackets outscored Morris 20-15 in the third and led by 10 at 45-35 heading into that fourth quarter. Cougars made a strong push and eventually took a one-point lead at 49-48 with 3.29 left in regulation, but the Yellow Jackets got two free throws from Katie Dobson and a three-pointer from Maddie Sanders on their next two possessions to retake the lead at 53-49, which is 2.32 on the clock, and they never trailed again the rest of the way. The Yellow Jackets overcame 31 turnovers to get that win. Jackets got points from 10 different players, led by Kalen Christian with 14 points. Not real <laughs> often that you're going to win a game where you commit 31 turnovers. 30. I think what helped them, though, was the fact that Morris committed 25. I know, and yeah. that's what I was going to say. 31's a huge number, but when the teams combine for 56, yeah, was, you know, you can overcome <laughs> yeah. and a, a, a lot of those six in the ratio. To be honest there. with you, a lot of those turnovers came in bunches, you know, and, and two- or three-minute intervals where everyone was turning the ball over left and right. Those are the worst in your statting a game, too, because it's like <laughs> turnover – 10 white, right. lost ball, steal, right. maroon, 23. And turnover, only... maroon, 23, bad pass, right. yeah. <laughs> steal, white, 3, turnover, white, 2. And well, and the vast majority of those turnovers <laughs> happened in the first and fourth quarters between right. the two teams. It was The second and third were actually played pretty cleanly. So the, it, was, it, it was kind of a deceiving 31 turnovers in a way because once both teams, well, especially the Yellow Jackets, once they settled down and got in the front court, and set up their offense, they ran it really well. Yeah. It was just a question of getting it into the front court. That was right. the problem that they had because there was a lot of pressing as well in mm-hmm. that game. So, uh, But the Yellow Jackets find a way to get it done. And then against the Polars, the Yellow Jackets led 15-12 to 12 after one. Crown outscored the Yellow Jackets 12-7 to 7 in the second for a three-point Polars lead at 25-22 at the break. But in the third quarter, the Yellow Jackets really took the Polars to task. Scored 24 of the first 28 points of the frame and ended up taking – a 46-32 lead into the fourth quarter by a 24-7 margin in the third. And then Crown never got closer than nine points the rest of the way. Elsa Olson, freshman for the Yellow Jackets, 12 points in that contest. Sam Perendo in her final game as a Yellow Jacket at home, 11 points for the Proctor native. Good to see her get in there too and uh, contribute to that win. So the Yellow Jackets off to the 
UMAC Conference Tournament was a result of that. And like I said, three straight wins. They defeat the number one team, the number two team, and then the number – I think Crown was, what, fourth or fifth? They I were think. fifth. Five. They were fifth? Okay. Because coming into the weekend, we were tied with them. Right, yeah. So that game on Saturday, by the way, was a winner-take-all scenario. Winner was going to get in, and the loser yep. was done for the year. And that was – so the Yellow Jackets have really been playing postseason-level basketball now for about two yeah, weeks. Yeah, I mean, these have been playoff games for three weeks for them. Yeah, you exactly. Know, so, so awesome to see them get in and get in as the three seed. Yeah, that again, was, nobody saw this coming. No, no, not no at one all. saw it coming, and it's awesome that. It and a big applaud to her. Then. I mean, to get the double-figure wins, almost doubling your wins from last year—that's yep. that I'm was huge. Yeah. So proud of the job she's done. Men's and women's indoor track and field—they performed well this weekend as mm-hmm. well. Both teams participated at the Gene Glader Classic, hosted by Bethel, at the Sports and Recreation Center in Arden Hills on Saturday. On the men's side, UWS placed second, team total of 103 points, won three titles on the day. Earl Foster won the 60-meter hurdles with a time of 8.7. Seconds. That's a PR for him, by the way. David Collins took the 800 meters with a time of 2 minutes, 3.28 seconds. While the 4 by 200 meter relay team of Stephen Pearson, Ethan Bowe, Ian Matheson, and Ethan Westemeyer took the team title with a time of 134.24. Nate Oman and Garrett Crowles also represented UWS at the Maverick Invitational. That was on Friday, hosted by Minnesota State in Mankato. And Earl Foster was named UMAC tra- track, excuse me, UMAC men's track athlete for the week for the third time this season as a result of his performances on Saturday. Nice year. Oh, Earl Foster? He's having a a very nice year. Him and Garrett Lynch are having big years. They're they're going to do some damage this weekend. Yep, absolutely. UWS also finished on the women's side in second place in that same meet with 88 points and were led by Alexa DiCovedo who won the long jump with a distance of 4.61 meters. Kasha Hewlett also represented UWS at the Maverick Invitational on Friday in Mankato and that's interesting because they split those two squads up and kind of got everybody some some extra time there as a result of having a couple of athletes also participate in Mankato well, he and was, then he was yeah. sending him down to you know he's got a select few that he wanted to get a little higher competition against right and, yeah you know so they went to Mankato and yeah yeah mm-hmm. so worked, worked out, out well. for him yeah absolutely men's hockey had a wacky weekend <laughs> is, that a, is that the best way to put it John. <laughs> It was a weekend. <laughs> a wacky weekend. It was a weekend. Yeah, it was definitely a weekend. And that the, the format, I, I just got to say this straight up. The format just drives me crazy. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Yeah, and I know it drives you nuts too. I but can't stand it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into this here. The wacky weekend for the men leaves them at 15-10-2 and two, uh, on the season. They advanced to the Wyack Tournament semifinals by virtue of taking the mini game on Saturday against Northland College after splitting their two full games the Lumberjacks on Friday and Saturday in the opening round of the tournament at Westman Arena. And like I said, it just feels so wacky. It really does. On Friday, the Yellow Jackets unfortunately fell to the uh, Yellow Jackets fell to the Lumberjacks, excuse me, 3-1 to one in game one of the series. UWS's lone goal was scored by Chris Ishmael in 1653 of the opening period. Miles Hector took the loss. He made 21 saves in goal. And then on the following night, uh, Saturday, the Yellow Jackets got a power play goal from McGregor Sinclair and a pair of empty netters from Matt Francois and C.J. Walker to send the game into a decisive minigame, or the series into a decisive minigame, excuse me. Dylan Milan got the win for UWS, making 12 saves in that contest. And then in the minigame, Bradley Stunnell scored the lone goal for the Yellow Jackets to send them into the semifinals this coming weekend. So it's just such a strange format. I was, horrible format. I was trying to explain it to the women's team that was there, and they were all asking me straight up in between games, like, now what happens? Yeah. Why are we not, like, you know, and I was explaining it because it also applies to them in their conference tournament. They've never had to play a minigame, so they don't know right. what it's like. But And the, uh, I kind of got a bunch of blank stares from them. Mm-hmm. They were all looking at me like, 
that's how they do it? Yep. Yeah, because they – so even the women's players were confused yep. as to how this whole thing works out. And, you know, that was – I believe the exact words from A.B. Schwark was, that doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah. <laughs> it it does, doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. But It doesn't. That's the way they do it. And I know it. you hate it. Can't stand it. Makes a long day for you, too, by the way. I don't care how long the day is. That doesn't bother me so much. It's I, I hate the fact that your season lives and dies on a 20-minute period. Yeah, because that's, that, that's what it is. That's yeah. what I can't stand. Right, yeah. It isn't you even know? sudden death. It's a, yeah, Yeah. because it's not sudden death. It's a 20-minute period. Yep. And, and if it's still tied, then you got to keep playing it like it's regular. Yeah. Yeah, and that – I hate the fact that it, it can come down to – I mean, it, even in a regular 60-minute game, it can come down to one bad bounce or it can come to, down to one unbelievable save by a goaltender. Right. I understand that. Right, yeah, yeah. But I would rather take my chances over a full 60 minutes yep. than something goofy happening in a 20-minute game. Yeah, where a bounce here or a bounce there. And hockey relies a lot on bounces and deflections and yeah. so forth. So, so I – Thankfully, the Yellow Jackets came through, but that 20-minute period is really intense. It is, yeah. and with how well Chris Kerr was playing for Northland on Saturday. Yeah, he played really well. Holy really cow. Good. Yeah. With how well he played, he very easily could have stolen that yeah. in a mini-game scenario. Yeah, and it wasn't like Northland didn't create chances in the overtime. They no, did. they had a yeah. couple chances in there as well. I mean, yeah, by so and large, they were they were run over right. on Saturday. Um. But the, the mini-game, they the picked it up. Because the decided they were going to play right, yeah. on Saturday and, and outshot them handily and outchanced them very handily. and Especially in the full game. Yeah. Yeah. But even in the mini-game, Matt, it was – Yeah, no. I mean, the shots I mean, were like 14-3 or something or 15-3. I don't I want to say it was like 18-6 to six or something like that. Was it like that? Okay. Yeah. It was a lot so, to not very much. It was. Yeah. And, and Northland did have a couple chances in there, and they did play a little better in the mini-game than they did in the regular game. But – Yeah. It, <laughs> Once we scored, it was in my mind. It wasn't in doubt, right? You know, yeah. I knew. We no, were I, gonna, I thought we I knew were we were going to give that goal back to them, right? Yeah, you know. But see, even then, though, you're but, like you get those sticks because all it takes is one chance. Yep. You don't have to have. It's all it takes. Yep. Yeah. That said, they put themselves in that situation by forgetting to play on Friday. Yeah, and I'll tell you, after the game, I was down in the in the, in the lounge, Superior uh, Credit Union lounge downstairs, and Westman and Rich came in and. He looked like he had been through the ringer. Mm-hmm. He was he was definitely taking a breathing a deep sigh of relief on that one. So there you have it. It's gone. It's passed. But the wacky weekend for the men is over, and hopefully there won't be too much wackiness this coming weekend either. So we'll see. Women's hockey. Their season is now complete. Eleven and fifteen overall. They finished four and eight in the WIAC. Close out the regular season with a sweep of Northland College on Friday and Saturday at the Bay Area Civic Center in Ashton before falling to the Lumberjills in the opening round of the WIAC tournament on Tuesday at Westman Arena in a game that me and John had on 91.3 FM. On Friday, in the first game of the three with the Lumberjills this last week, UWS took a 2-1 to overtime win behind two goals from C.C. Hayes, including the game winner at 110 of overtime to give the Yellow Jackets the win. Molly Black got the start, and she made 20 saves in goal to get the win. Then on Saturday, the Yellow Jackets completed the regular season sweep with goals from Jenna Hoops, Jada LeBlanc, Bryn McLean, and C.C. Hayes again to win 4-1. to Rose Beeman making 25 saves for the Yellow Jackets get the win and speaking of wacky Tuesday night's game was pretty wacky well but this is this goes back to us talking about the men right yeah one person won that game for Northland yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it was their goaltender oh yeah we'll talk about her in a second because she <laughs> she put in a shift yeah. and a half on Tuesday and we're getting into this now the L Jackets got goals from Darby Matson, Jenna Hoops and Bryn McLean in a 5-3 defeat against Northland that ends the L Jackets season a lot of subplots of that game the Hill Jackets generated 68 shots this is the big one on goal 68 of them Count them, 68. 
but couldn't rally back. I think they had 101 shots attempted. Yeah, they had 101 shots, and 68 of them made it through. Number two starting goalie, Tegan Johnson, made 65 saves in the contest. Rose Beeman and Blind Blacks by time and goal for the Yellow Jackets with 19. And I think by about the middle of the second period all the way to the end of the third, you and I were just kind of shaking our heads. Yep. By the end of that one, just because Tegan Johnson was saving everything. Right. Yeah, I mean, everything that was coming in on her. She and was, that's the in the minigame or the one-game playoff opportunity. That's what a goalie can do. Yep. And that's what you end up with. And I, you know, speaking of Avery Schwark and some of the, the the ladies after the game, I saw them and I said, "There's nothing more you could have done." No, nope. you did everything you could. Yep. Sixty-eight pucks on goal should get you a win. Yep, and a big one. Yep. But she just she refused to. She was a brick wall back there. Mm-hmm. She really did not give up much of anything. And Yellow Jackets gave up a couple of bad bounce goals. Yep. You know, we talked about that as well. I mean, one deflected in off of a Yellow Jacket defender. You know, which I think that was the one that – was that the game winner or was that the – Yeah, that has been a game winner. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that was, it was one of those nights. Mm-hmm. Bad mojo. And uh, nothing more, like I said. The effort was there. Right. You know, got plenty of shots on target. But, you know, like, again, that's hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's a bounce here, bounce there, and a couple of bounces went against the Yellow Jackets, and it was too much, and Tegan Johnson just refused to wilt after yep. that. Yep. So their season is over. Men's tennis, 5-0 and now overall. Boy, they just keep rolling, rolling. right along. <laughs> One two matches last weekend, downing Loris and St. Norbert by identical seven to two scores on Saturday and Sunday at the Green Bay Tennis Center in De Pere against Loris. UWS got doubles wins from the duos of Igor Gettin Chavez and Ren Karachi at number one doubles, Andre Luis and Jacob Zacharias at number two, and Benedict Kaibos and Matius Miranda Silvestri at number three doubles, along with singles wins from Gettin Chavez, Luis, Miranda. Silvestri and Jace Gilbertson, and then against St. Norbert, the Yellow Jackets got doubles wins from the duos of Gettin Chavez and Karachi at number one, Luis and Zacharias at number two, and Mateo Abarca Pino, who's a guy who has not been in the lineup all that much to start the year, but he was in there on Sunday playing alongside Friedrich Deal, and they got the win at number three doubles with singles wins coming from Gettin Chavez, Karachi, Vitor Sakakabara, and Kazuki Sato. So the Yellow Jackets continue to roll right along. On the men's front, mm-hmm. women's tennis. Congratulations to them on getting their first win. They got the year. their first win. Yep. Yep. One and three overall. They split two matches this past weekend, following the UW Stout six to three on Saturday before defeating St. Norbert five to four on Sunday. Both matches were played at the Green Bay Tennis Center again in De Pere against the Blue Devils. UWS got a doubles win from number three, the duo of Shelby Hansen and Jessica Kukowski, along with singles wins from Brooke Welfong and Dalen Drew, and then against the Green Knights. The Yellow Jackets got wins from Kukowski and Hansen again at number three doubles along with singles wins from Courtney Brandt, Will Fong, Laney Zern, and Jesse Kukowski. And they had to come from behind to get that win against uh, St. Norbert. So yep. congratulations to them on that. And so on and so forth. So one win in the books for them. Hopefully more coming up. And that's the week that was. But that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a busy yeah. week. That's yep. a real busy week. Yep. And, uh, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Unfortunately for us, a lot of wins in there too. But yeah, it's just a lot of games and yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of stuff happening. So, but you you wrapped that up with tennis, and that's a dynamite segue there, Monty, because we are going to roll from uh, looking at what the week that was to let's talk about the entire season as we have Coach C.J. Schaffner and Jacob Zacharias from the men's tennis team coming in. That'll be in our next roundtable segment when I have the swarm continues right after this. Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? 
Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. <laughs> back for the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and it's time for us to talk a little tennis. The, the hottest team on campus, the Yellow Jacket men's tennis team, and uh, we're joined by head coach C.J. Schaffner and Jacob Zacharias, and, and we talked about it a little bit in the open, Matt. We talked about it a little bit at hockey the other night. They're not a team on campus that's playing better than this men's tennis team right now. No, they're rolling right along, baby. And uh, they're in, the, thankfully, in studio now to join us for the roundtable segment. Thanks for joining us, guys. Um, you know, it's a young team, too, and that's probably the thing that probably makes us the most excited about it is that the fact that you guys are rolling right through everybody right now and you're still young and learning as you go. So <laughs> technically, I guess, quote-unquote, learning as we go. So, um, you know, it, it's always a pleasure to have a team that's playing as well as you guys are right now because so far, so good, man. I mean, it has been literally just kind of rolling right through the opposition. Uh, no. Yeah. Hammering through yeah, the Yeah, exactly. On the like, men's side, these aren't close matches. These scores are – yeah. Or nine oh eight one seven two. I mean, these are not close yeah, you matches. Guys, you so guys really haven't been pushed. This all is that a hard pretty yet. dominating <laughs> effort to start the year. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having Jake and I on today. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we're playing well. We've been preparing well, and uh, things have just been going, you know, a little better than planned, which is always okay. We're okay with that, and we're uh, we're cruising right now. And there's some good tests coming up, so uh, we're we're gonna try not to get complacent here. It's always. It's always a challenge to keep them keep them hungry in a sense, right? But um, uh, they've been doing really well, and I can't ask for a better better group. Even though they are a bit young right now, we got some we got some young guys, but we got some upperclassmen that are being uh, solid leaders for us. So it's it's helpful to have both uh, both aspects there. I think some people, when they saw okay, the roster came out, and there's no Michael Janes on there, who for a few years was as good as anybody was yep. in this region. He's all of a sudden not in your roster because he's concentrating on the academics. Okay, they're going to be a little bit down. No, not really. No, not, not at, at all. all. You're, you're not missing a beat. And I think some of it is that that those youthful guys that have come in that are just incredible players. Yep, they're hungry and uh, they stepped up. And we had some upperclassmen step up too. It's just people stepping up to the plate, and that's why you know uh, we have a larger roster than most tennis teams and. Uh, this this is why we we want to give people the opportunity to really uh, step up and take advantage of different opportunities and be ready for it and they have so far this year. Coach said, okay, you know, maybe going a little bit better than expected in the early going. How about from the player standpoint? Are you guys viewing it the same way? Um, going into the season, we knew we were going to be pretty strong, but like you guys said, it's a very young team, so you didn't really know what you're getting yourself into. But it's kind of cool seeing all the all the younger players step up into the spots where they're needed and they pull through and. Like, like you mentioned, like the drive, the hunger they have, is it's, it just makes the upperclassmen play better too because we want to compete with the younger guys. And, but, yeah, no, it's, it's cool seeing, seeing the younger guys step up and play well and get the job done for us. We've spent yeah. the first few minutes now saying younger guys how many times. I mean, if yeah. this was a drinking yeah. game, we'd have some problems <laughs> right now. But let's talk younger guys, okay? Let's talk about where some of these guys came from because there is definitely an international flavor to the, the mm -hmm. youthful group that you have. So talk a little bit about the recruiting process to get some of these guys in here. Yeah, yeah, it's always uh, – the recruiting process is interesting. It's always different year to year. 
uh, different trends here and there. Uh, right now, it's uh, the international uh, landscape is hot for us, and uh, we were able to bring in a couple guys uh, from different countries. So, uh, you know, Igor is coming from Brazil. He's playing the top spot right now. Um, you know, we got a guy uh, transferring at semester, uh, Benny from Hungary. Uh, he's kind of taking over uh, Gary Gergo's shoes from last year. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we, you know, you got to get a little lucky with recruiting, but, you know, at the same time, if you put in the work, uh, it kind of produces that luck in a sense. So uh, we're just, we're happy with the squad we have. And of course, we're always looking to build. So uh, the recruiting process starts early. We have, you know, our guys committed for next year already. Uh, so that squad's already, you know, shaping up. Um, but at the same time, they, you know, I was texting them today. Look, look, sorry for a little bit of lack of c communication right now because we're putting that focus on this squad right now. And, um, you know, things are going really well and we can't wait for you guys to join the team. So, um, but, you know, the focus right now is on this year. But that recruiting process is long for some. And, you know, it starts, you know, back in, in the fall. It ends kind of with that commitment in, in around the holidays. And then, um, you know, they don't see the court in, again for a full year after they started, which is, you know, that's a process for them. But I think they enjoy seeing it kind of play out that way. How does the international process work in, in tennis? Because I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with the hockey standpoint where you literally go to Canada and you, you watch these guys play and you, you bring them into your program. How does it work? Because you obviously aren't getting to go to Brazil to go recruiting, not you're yet. not going to Hungary. So not how yet. how are you <laughs> how are you doing that? Is it obviously through a service of some sort? Are they reaching out to you? Are you how do you find these players? How does all, that whole thing work? Yeah, we uh, works a few different ways. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as or as challenging as watching a YouTube video and reaching out because um, a lot of these international guys they put their their recruiting videos online um, and you just kind of discover them once in a while. Uh, other times you have like recruiters in different places. So, um, you know, we work with a recruiter in Brazil, a company down there uh, that just, you know, finds prospects that fit what we're looking for. Um, and then, you know, they talk to their, their players about it and the, the fit there. We jump on a recruiting call, talk about the fit, make sure it's all good. They talk to the guys, uh, you know, they talk to the women's team just to make sure it's all good there. And then, um, you know, if it, if it all works out, it works out. They they commit. So, yeah. And so, like a guy like Igor, for example, because you mentioned him, he's he's through a, a recruiting service, obviously, where you found him. How how big of a dogfight was it to get a guy like him to come here? Because you'd have to think that somebody who's come in and played as skillfully as he has early was being recruited by more than one school. Right, right. So Igor Vitor and um, actually Lorenzo came from the same recruiting agency. Um, and it just, you know, they, they do a lot of work on the back end, the recruiter does for them to make sure that they're sending us the right profiles. Uh, and then if we like that player, then, you know, that, that recruiter puts in a pretty good word for us. And then, you know, it just, it's all based on like the communication the next couple months. It's if the player enjoys the, the, the fit, you know, the communication, the style of the coaches and of the, the team. Um, and then, you know, if it, if it works out, it works out. So, you know, there's. And that's why it's kind of kind of lucky. Like it just if you're authentic with it and they they gravitate towards what they want, uh, it just kind of works out. So we don't put a whole lot of like pressure into that. Um, you know, it's just if if they like it, they like it and they they gravitate towards it. So I mean, it helps that we're having success too. It helps that we have a really good group of guys around that 
they want to to be around and they talk to and the guys reach out to them and um it's just you know things just kind of fall into place but yeah it, i mean it, it takes time it takes work for them to to make that decision and you've already said you have you carry a larger roster than most what's when do you stop then what's that sweet spot where you go okay i think i have all the pieces and then some that i i need to to be able to make a run here uh, it's fluid yeah it's you know like we it, it just depends like we had a we had almost i think we had 20 guys try out this fall and right now we're sitting at 15 so um you know it just and it goes up and down um but it, it's just people having opportunities so uh there's no there's no perfect number. Um, the women have 12 right now, and that's been uh, really good for that squad. The, the men have 15. It's been really good for that squad. So, um, you know, people get injured. People get sick. Um, so we, we got to have ample amounts of people ready to go. Um, oftentimes we'll play double headers. So, uh, you know, Jake might be playing, you know, singles in one match, singles and doubles in the other match, or, you know, just doubles in both matches or all four. So... Uh, but it just gives us the option to to work with that. If we only had seven guys, it's like we're playing two matches and you're playing four matches. All of you are playing four matches. And, you know, if somebody's not having a good day, then it's it's tough to say, all right, but you got to go out there and do it again. At this point, we kind of say, hey, it's not your day. Let's have somebody else give it a shot today. So, um, yeah, there's pros and cons to it for sure. That's like I kind of – Listen to you talk about the recruiting process, especially for the guys from Brazil, which you've got quite a few of them. Um, it kind of reminds me of some of the things that Coach Joe Mooney told me about his Brazilian recruits because he brings in quite a few Brazilians on a regular basis too. Um, and it is a different process for the guys from Brazil and for Joe from the kids from England because they do actually enter themselves into kind of a, uh, a scouting service or they are noticed by a scouting service and kids that want to get out either go abroad and, and play or, you know, because some want to stay in their home countries and some want to go abroad and go in the United States and, and study. And that's been kind of, you know, kind of the breakdown there. Um, and also, it's interesting also for me to, to hear you talk about, you know, if one guy hasn't having a good day or, or, you know, isn't feeling it injured, maybe, maybe a little bit sick or whatever, then we can bring somebody else in. That depth, I know you and I have talked about this a little bit, how much you, depth you want to bring into the squad. And it sounds like you've got – eight, nine, ten guys that can step in at any given time. That's a real luxury for a tennis coach, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the, the other thing that allows is for singles and doubles specialists. So uh, there's a good likelihood right now that we could be asking guys that to only play singles or doubles and look, look like, hey, this is your job the rest of the season. Focus on playing singles and get better at singles. Okay, you got to play doubles. You're working on three shots, the serve, the return, and the plus one ball, right? Cross court, maybe a volley and overhead in there too. But the games are kind of different, right? So it's it just allows us to be like, you know, Mateos, maybe this is for you this year. This is it. Or maybe it's a guy on the edge of the lineup that, you know, if you want to crack the lineup, this is where we see it happening. You put all your effort into this the rest of the year and see what you can do. And if they don't crack that lineup, they made that person right bef like ahead of them better too. So it's, you know, it's, it's – accepting those roles and just understanding, you know, where they're at. So the women's team, just to, you know, put it into perspective with 12, it's a similar deal there. We're, we're trying to get deeper on that side as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's the same. We got players right on the edge trying to, trying to find their way into the lineup. Well, maybe you need to be a doubles or single specialist at that point and focus on that when we're doing individual lessons the rest of the year, um, you know, just put some focus on that sort of thing. So I know a lot of people look at the singles as kind of being, okay, that's the – 
that's the thing. Do you take that as, I don't want to say a slap, but with, if coach comes to you and says, mm-hmm. you know, Jake, you're probably going to be better served this year playing in doubles. That's kind of where you're at. That's where you're playing your best. Are you okay with that? Do you take that as like, oh, God, coach is down on me, and I, guy, what I want, he wants he doesn't me to want do. me to play singles. God, yeah. he want me in singles now. I mean, oh. Do you take it that way, or do you go, all right, I'm, I'm going to run with this, and I'm going to be the, oh, no, yeah. the best doubles player out there? Yeah, I won't, I wouldn't be like offended or anything. Like growing up, I always played singles, never really played doubles until I got to college, and I enjoyed it. But if, if he wants me to play singles, I'll play singles. Doubles, I'll play doubles. Whatever makes a team the best. But singles is fun. I'm not. I'm not talking bad about singles, but no, yeah. If it's just playing doubles, I'll be happy just playing doubles. You, he he, t- he says there's three shots that you that you work on in doubles, it's and I never quick. I said I never really thought of it that way, mm-hmm. but it's it's probably right. How do you how do you work your mind mentally, well, knowing that's going to be it's just it's that quick and just have especially in doubles having a plan. We always, we always work about trying to make a plan before every point, like go up to the line, talk with your partner, get everything set. So in the tight situation or the short notice situation you know exactly what to do where to put the ball how to handle it so you're not like stressing out during the point or anything i'm i'm probably goes without saying it's just like any other sport but i'd imagine the chemistry in oh, a yeah. doubles pair is oh, yeah. is really important mm-hmm. yeah, no, we, that's that's very important yeah if i might jump in here we got jacob and andre together who have been friends and buddies and playing together for the past three years mm-hmm. now um and that chemistry piece really it shows mm-hmm. it shows like mm-hmm. they it's it's a it's beautiful to see when they are on the same page and doing the right thing together Almost, then they have the unspoken thing yep. going yeah, on yeah. on the court right. yeah. 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 yeah so it's you know that it thing plays a big role and mm-hmm. um it's fun to see where jacob and andre are at and then where uh like len and igor are at together right like it's it's a different mm-hmm. side of the process but they both have strengths within it so um you know, guys that are are it, it kind of levels the playing field in a sense too. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean it, that's. I would think that the difference between going from singles to doubles is, especially if you're playing both in a single day, that that's an adjustment that you have to make kind of on the fly. Um, you know, I don't know how much film you guys watch on you know your opponents on that day or potential opponents, but you know, say if Jacob is playing a singles match and then or a doubles match first, and then he's got to you know lock in on the opponent, and then he's got to okay, well, we won the doubles match today. Now i got to figure out what I'm going to do on the singles side of it. You know, just talk about how much how that's a different process for you, Jacob, because I know that, like, you've played a little bit of both singles and doubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your mindset in terms of being able to flip that switch a little bit, going from doubles to singles and ver- vice versa in a given day? Um, it's kind of similar, but like, like you said earlier, it's completely different games. Doubles, it's most of it's over within a couple shots. It's a lot of boom, boom, fast pace. And singles, as I've learned over the years, it's much more of a patient patient type of game so just trying to flip my brain over to doubles you're trying to end it quick but singles if you try to end it quick you could potentially end up hurting yourself right yeah but yeah so yeah it is it's, it's kind of a difference in patience then too because it's a, it's yeah because yeah. you can go for the play and go for the shot mm-hmm. immediately in doubles but then you might have to set somebody up on a singles exactly. you know, depending on the situation i mean sometimes you're going to have a quick singles point mm-hmm. but a lot of times also you're going to have a few returns and a few shots going back and forth trying to figure each other out mm-hmm. on that particular point so um mm-hmm. yeah it is it is a completely different mindset i would think mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about last year and what that moment was like when when you guys won the conference championship because the video of it was 
It was awesome. It was you, you could feel the emotion mm-hmm. from every single guy on that roster when you won that last point. So talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit about what that was like and, and finally climbing that mountain. No, yeah, that, that was that, that'll be my top college memory right there for sports wise, at least. But uh, no, yeah, it was it was fun. I was out the whole season with a broken ankle. So I was just inside. I was just building up and up mm-hmm. and up, just just wanting to play. And towards the last few matches, I was like, it kind of had the green light for the last couple matches and coaches like. Uh, let's just let's just wait. We don't want to risk it because we're doing good right now. Let's let's save it for the right moment. And I was like, "Come on, coach! Like this is the right moment right <laughs> now." But but he was he he was smart and he saw the future somehow. But but no, yeah, he put me in. I played a doubles match that day too. Mm-hmm. Doubles was a little bit more rough, but I was still happy happy to play. But then yeah, going into that singles match, I was the last one to go on, and I saw like a couple of my teammates win, a couple of lose. And all of a sudden, it was just I was the last match playing, and this is gonna come down. I to was me. like, before the match, <laughs> I was talking with coach, and we were like, "There's a good chance it might, might come down four four. I'm like, "Well, if it happens, it happens." But ooh, when it does happen, though, it feels feels a lot of pressure. But that's, that's good that's, pressure, though. No, that, that's pressure, fun yes. pressure. Yeah. No, yeah, pressure that makes you play better. Yeah. Get those competitive juices flying, and then oh, no, you yeah. know, knowing that. It, that, but that's quite a season though, when you think about it. I mean, you were out for the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. didn't play much at all, at, you know, trying to get that mm-hmm. ankle healed, and then all of a sudden here he comes back. Now we're going to throw you into a 4-4 match to uh, win the <laughs> conference title. And, you know, knowing CJ the way I do, I know that when he's got a good chemistry, he mm-hmm. wants to keep it that way. So it's kind of like one of those delicate things for a coach, too, because you're trying to figure out, where am I going to put him in? You know, well, when can I get him in there? Because he really wants to get in, and I want to get him in there. He's missed so much time already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's quite a journey. To it go from, from a broken ankle at the start of the year to, mm-hmm. you know, if I win, we win the conference title. Okay, well, that's great. Well, just the <laughs> yeah. everybody hanging on every single yep. point. And, yeah, it was the emotion watching it was, was really cool. Yeah. And just being able to feel everything. And then with the situation you were in, I mean, it's pretty tough to top that. No, yeah, it was very, very emotional. Positive emotions, but it was very emotional and – well, that shows that CJ had a lot of faith in you, too. No, Absolutely. He said he's going to plug you in there. I mean, mm-hmm. he hasn't played a lot, but I'm going to stick him in there anyway because I know he can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was, you know, when you get all that positive momentum going forward, it just kind of really pays off when you get it through it and you say, yeah, I did get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's awesome. There <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, there was multiple conversations as a coaching staff as to how we wanted to do it. And uh, um, the whole time it's like, look, we know what Jacob is car- capable of. And we just got to kind of trust that, you know, things are going to play out the way that we want to. And, again, we go back to that preparation a lot. And Jacob prepared all season. Even if he wasn't playing, he was preparing for that moment. So it was, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's cool. And, you know, one of the reasons I do this is to see the raw emotion. Um, and just in that moment, it, it all kind of came to fruition. And uh, you could tell even you watch the video every time, and like you're saying, like, the bottom guy is has the same emotion as the top guy, and everybody in between is. Everybody had the same goal, which is that mm-hmm. that, that alignment. When you see that, you know, you gotta get back and you know just watch it happen. Oh, it's goosebumps. So, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's well, absolutely goosebumps. It's almost like the perfect setup, right? I mean, because you talk about how it's a whole team effort. I mean, Jacob didn't even play at the beginning of the year because he was injured. You yep. know, so nothing embodies that. You know, sticking with it and having you know putting in the hard work versus having a guy who was not physically available at the start of the year. And then he comes in and wins it for you at the end of the, you know, at the end of the campaign. That's, that's sort of like the ultimate journey, I think, for an athlete. Because, as a former athlete, and John, you know this, and CJ and Jacob, you you all know this. There's nothing worse than being hurt and watching your teammates have get the play, and then you have to sit there and just kind of clap from the sideline. That's, you know, that's that's really tough territory because 
it's really frustrating to sit there and be like, I want to be out there, but I can't. Right. I physically can't do it. Right. And so, you know, that just makes it, I would think, all the more rewarding, you mm-hmm. know, the fact that it's killing you because you're sitting there and you're cheering on your teammates and they're winning matches and so on and so forth. But still, even when they win, you're still like, oh, man, I wish I was a part of it, though. Right. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. I think I've told Jacob this before, too, but um, my senior year, I had a stress fracture in my toe and I couldn't play any of the conference matches. Came back for the conference tournament in a very similar way. Uh, we ended up going to nationals that year, too. So it's, you know, it's part of that. It's you just got to trust that process. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember, too, that last year we were picked second to yep. in the preseason poll. So, uh, you know, we kind of had that that goal the whole year is to kind of prove people wrong. So it ended up uh, working out. So then you win and you, you get to go you get to go to nationals, something you were be able to experience as a player. What was that like for you? Oh, it was so fun. Yeah, we were down in uh, Chicago. We got to play at. The U, U Chicago, yep. but uh, no, it was great weather, not nothing bad. Got to go see the city for a day, mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful conditions. And I couldn't can't say anything bad about it. I mean, the result obviously wasn't what you want by any means, but the experience of it mm-hmm. was was tremendous. E- even even the results we played, we lost. Zero five. Zero five. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Yeah, it was a zero. Yeah, but he, since he forgot, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's not good, right? Like we had a good no, time. Well, but. yeah, we we played them close, and it was great. Even though we lost zero five, it was a great yeah. learning uh, learning experience for everyone on the team just to play competition at that level. Well, and that's you know that's part of John. And I have talked about this. The first time you get to an NCAA tournament as a team or as a program, it's really more about experiencing it than anything else. Um, because programs that go the first time, generally speaking, don't fare as well because it's just such a bigger well the spectacle. Yeah, of the it spectacle of you, it is much you bigger. Get, you get a lot pulled more into it. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot more to playing a match or a game in an NCAA tournament than there is to playing a game or a match in UMAC or during the regular season. There's just a lot more that goes into it. Um, so it's it's more of an event than really just kind of a match or a game. So you know, th- once you get that part out of the way, you know that's one of those things where. You know, you go, okay, well, we've had that fun now. Now how do we approach it so that we can advance and go further than that, you know, if possible? And so, you know, and I, it goes back to kind of like some of the expectations that me and John had just because of the way that the freshmen played at the ITAs this year. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of set this up, I feel like, in motion in terms of where you guys are going. Uh, and I know this is a hard question to answer, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. How good do you think you guys can get this year? That is, that is a really that's hard a question. tough question. Yeah, that's a really tough question. No, I know. I, I think the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to handcuff us with anything, any sort of goals. And uh, we had a productive meeting two nights ago as a team, just talking about what does this year look like, what does next year look like, what does five years down the road look like when none of you are here, right? And how can we keep building this momentum? Because you're exactly right. Uh, just being at that tournament, the national tournament last year, provided us that experience to understand what it's like. Hey, two years ago, we went to the ITA Fall Regional for the first time. Guys' jaws just are dropping with the level because they haven't experienced that sort of thing. When the best teams, the best individuals in the region get together and play a tournament like a U.S. Open-style draw, right? So it's the same thing with this, with the national tournament experience last year, okay? So we had the ITA tournament last year, two years ago. We come to the ITA tournament this fall. They play better, right? We just build on that. Yeah, make that. a little run in there. Yeah, make a run in there on the, on the yep. second day. So right, so it's it's that same that building process of, it's a, it's a slow process. It's a yearly process, but and sometimes it's five years down the road where you see the next step. But uh, it's all part of that. And again, I don't I don't want to handcuff us with a, right, a top yeah. end goal, but um, but even if, if, as long as it's like in the back of their minds, like you yeah. don't have to even make it express. Like 
you know, as long as the, both the guys and the girls are thinking about, yeah, yeah, you know, we could, there's something here. We could really make something special out of this. Yep, yep. They, you know? We'll set the record straight here. They're hopeful. They stay hopeful. Yeah. And that's that's all that I care about is they're, they're trying to reach for that next level. Both the men's and women's teams see what's next and they want to be there, which is all I can ask for, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if they get complacent, then we're in trouble. Then I've done something wrong and uh, right. we got to figure out how to keep them hungry and get them hungry again. But at this point, you know, it's just keeping them hungry. So I imagine too, when you had that, that little bit of success at the ITAs, that kind of, we've talked about what it did for, for y- your program, but I imagine that was a bit of an eye opener for some other programs too, that, Oh, okay. This, this school that we've, never had to worry about never had to take yep. seriously they can play yep we got some guys We've on got team something that can really here play. Yeah. and I, I imagine one it f- it's forcing some other schools to take a look at you in a little different light but two it's probably putting some other schools or getting you on some radars going we want to play them right yeah we've uh we've talked about that a little bit too it's uh how can we create a schedule that fosters success uh and part of that is going to play um you know top tier teams in the region um and it's it's been easier to get on their email chains and their text messages trying to get through to some of that stuff as the as the guys have seen that success um but also it's the opposite too other teams don't want to play us anymore sure right Right, yeah um you know you get you get both sides of it but it's it's fun to see that the changes within that well that's what's cool about the itas is that the fact that it is Besides having really good competition, it's basically a showcase for your program in a certain mm-hmm. way because it shows, you know, what level your players are playing at and what kind of levels, you know, are, are, are being fostered within the program. So those other coaches are looking around and they're going, hmm, you know, who's this school over here? Oh, UW Superior. You know, and CJ's building something over there. You know, maybe we do get a match with them. Or, like you said, maybe we don't want to play them because, you know, they might <laughs> beat up on us a little bit. So, um, you know. But that's what's cool about a, a tournament like that is that it is it show it not only showcases your players it also showcases your program, and how you're building it at a certain way just the way they approach whether it's men or women, you know how how things are going within the program itself. I mean it's kind of a snapshot, but still it gives those coaches an idea of like you said, John, like where the program is at and where it's headed. Mm-hmm. You know, so well it's it's made it made some significant strides obviously over the right. years from from the player standpoint. What has it been like being a part of that growth? It's it's been it's been fun. It's, it's there's been a lot of growth. It's from a my ton. from my freshman <laughs> yeah. year to now. I, I don't even know how to put it into words. Almost like it was it was still good back then and stuff, mm-hmm. but it was now it's like a dominating program. We were always the little guys or the underdogs going into almost all of our matches, but now we're going into our matches as the your one, favorites the favorites now. So yeah. that's a whole other side to like the mental game too is looking at it as like the favorites rather than the underdogs but the growth from the program cj's done i don't know how he how you can grow it in just a matter of two three years like that but i'm glad I'm glad that he has great recruits make great coaches right yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and that's what the saying goes well and, that, and there's also not a level of expectation right mm-hmm. because when you now originally when you rolled it out it's like we're gonna do the best we can i'm glad you mm-hmm. went there because that was going to be where yeah I was, I because was going next that's part of you know and john you've been a part of this too when you build up a program to a point where there's expectations now you know, yeah. it kind of circles through, cycles through, you know, where, you know, if we're not competing for the conference title, it's a bad year for us. You know, if we're not a team that's looking to get to the NCAA tournament, you know, and we ex- don't expect that of ourselves, it's a bad year for us. And that's sort of kind of the direction it looks like the program is really headed right now. Yep, yep. And 
it doesn't happen without Jacob and Andre and others, right? But right. like yeah. the level of leadership that we have this year has just been so important to, to what we're doing. Uh, I look to those two all the time, right? We're texting all the time, like, hey, what's going on here? What's going on here? What do you guys think about this? Uh, they're extremely responsive. They give feedback. It's uh, it's not that group think atmosphere where everybody just agrees. It's we're, we're working together to figure out what's the best thing we can do for this program to prepare for the next match or to, to prepare the team best for spring break, right? Like, um, so, you know, I can't thank those two guys enough just being at the top of that. Um, and just working their way down within the within the team themselves. Um, I go to them before I go to some individuals, right, about different things because they got a good feel for what's going on. So um, with there's some responsibility in that more than usual, and that takes a, some pressure, adds some pressure, right? Um, but those two have done just an incredible job of, you know, staying level-headed within, within it and accepting that role too, so... I forget about the spring break thing too. I mean, that's just another opportunity for you to, to build that that tough schedule that's gonna yep. set you guys up for that run later again. So, because yep. you, you you're not playing, you're, you're not pl- you're not going into that with well, let's head to Florida, let's enjoy some sun, we'll play right, a couple yeah. couple cupcake matches here and get it over with. You're going down to compete. Yeah, we play. Uh, there's a rematch of the national tournament match that we had last year against North Central. So that'll the, teach you something about the, where your team's at. The, yep. Yeah, yep. we're gonna find out real quick. Um, but th- and the fun part about that now is we get to play to completion. So before it was like first to five, you're done. So we get to play that match out. So it gives you know a few individuals an opportunity to do something special too. Um, but then you know that's the top of the CCIW, right? Then you got Carthage, which is kind of sitting there at maybe one two, hopefully mm-hmm. um, little. A little biased myself, so, you know, hopefully North Central can take that top spot and uh, Carthage can fall in line there too, but uh, Carthage will be tough. Um, and then, you know, we also play some big uh, Region 7 matchups, so Coe College and um, Illinois Tech will be down there. Uh, we play both those teams on Wednesday, so, again, having a deep squad is going to be nice for those two matches because they sit there right around us in the regional rankings, uh, so we want to, you know, just kind of show them, you know, that we're here to stay too, so... Coming from North Central, and we've we've talked about North Central <laughs> off air many times, right, particularly yeah. in the cross country area. Yeah, I mean they're they're a sports power. Yeah, they are. So coming from there, the the mentality they have because it, it seems like they're good in everything, they win in everything. What do you do? You see some similarities between there and here, and do you? What do you bring from there that you want to install here, not just with your own program, but with the department as a whole? Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, the former, the coach there, Ryan Jump, who's been a very good, uh, big mentor for mine, uh, he became a dad today. So, Oh, right on. Uh, so I just want to say congrats to him. I'm sure he'll be listening to this. But, um, but yeah, it, I can't, you know, thank him and them enough for that experience that w- what I've got there has taken us where we are here. So, you know, the competitive aspect of things, the support system that we talk about a lot here, it stems from my support system there and the support system that tennis program has there. Um, and just the, you know, the strong recruiting that they're able to do. You know, I've learned a lot from that, that university, that program, uh, my time with them. And it's, I wouldn't be, we would not be where we are today, this program, without that experience. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how to say that any more than, you know, it's it's essential to what we've done here. The similarities in the support system are, are, are good. 
right? Like that's this is what we want out of a, a support system from admin, from sports info, from everybody. So across campus even. Oh yeah, and that's actually kind of an answer that kind of mirrors something that I heard from Allison DeGroat talking about Mike Navarre mm-hmm. at Augsburg because she said that she brought a lot of tenants to her program, and of course now they're you know a UMAC power and they won two straight uh, UMAC titles and have gone to two straight NCAA tournaments. She said that she incorporated a lot of what they did at Augsburg into the program here, or similar kind of approach, um, a little bit of a twist maybe. But and so when we hear that kind of stuff though about kind of having like a mentor and somebody that kind of showed you the ropes and kind of taught you how to do things, um, you know, that's that's really what coaching is about too. You know, when you especially when you get to your own program, is that you're, you know, you may not make it identical to what it was when you were coaching under somebody. But you get a, a basic idea and a maybe even a, not just basic, but a pretty detailed idea of where you want to go and how you want to structure your program. And certainly, you know, whatever it was that he taught you, whatever you learned, it certainly is working. So <laughs> yeah, keep up the good work is what I say. <laughs> right, yeah, right. There you go. There's, there's, of course, differences, right? Like he's in Naperville, Illinois, which is not the same as Superior, Wisconsin. So, right, yeah. you know, you take those experiences and you make it work for, for what you're doing and what we're right, doing. Right, so. yeah. Um, you know, we, we practice in our field house. They practice at, you know, an indoor club in the area. So there's differences, but the foundational aspect of what I learned there and what he's doing there is so important to, to, to what D3 college tennis looks like for a competitive program. When you're talking about, about the growth in the building and everything, and obviously as part of the stadium project, new outdoor courts are being built here. How nice is that going to be to have legitimate outdoor an out, legitimate outdoor surface without cracks? You know that seems like it was actually built for tennis and wasn't just kind of created over old basketball courts or anything like that. How big <laughs> is that going to be for the the growth of your programs? Yeah, it's uh, when we talk about our five year plan as a program, it's it's got to be there because we don't take those steps without something like that. Um, and I know the guys are excited to, to get on some new courts. Uh, we, we love and are happy with our four outdoor courts, but they are cracked up. There are, the lights are not, you know, they're basketball lights. They're not mm-hmm. tennis lights. Um, so we're, we're excited to get on some new courts. Uh, the other important aspect of it is we're hoping there's at least six so that we can host a match with, with ease. Uh, you know, like on four courts, when you're trying to host a, a men's and women's conference match, it's just not easy. You guys start at 2 p.m., pull kids right. out of classes, and, you know, go till, you know, 10 p.m. So having six courts and being able to play some exhibition even, um, it's just going to be a game changer for us. Um, you know, and it one of the big ways we've been able to grow, I think, and I don't know how this perfectly fits in, but through our camps and clinics within the community uh, has really gained some popularity within within those and within our program. And having some new facilities for that is going to be really big too. So we can, you know, run some summer camps and then um, and, and get uh, the community interested in our program as well. I think we we've been talk focusing almost exclusively on the men. We'd be remiss if we didn't dive into the women's side of things a little bit here too. We we talked about the youth on the men's side. The women's side, <laughs> that's a young yeah. squad that you have yeah. there, my friend. Yeah, we are uh, younger on the women's side than the men's side right now with. Uh, uh, two returners, ten new players. Nine of the ten new players are freshmen, and there's a um, Haley uh, Quick is a transfer junior coming from a, a JUCO. So, um, you know that I am so excited for where that program is going to go. Um, we we just we have taken major steps 
in the right direction. Uh, we're, we're doing good things there. They picked up their first win of the season this mm -hmm. past weekend, and Jake can attest to this. It was, it was a fun atmosphere. It was a competitive mm -hmm. atmosphere. Um, everything was, you know, it, it was, again, coming to fruition, right? We put, we put in a lot of work to get to that point. Um, you know, it's all kind of happened at the perfect time, too, with our conference opener this weekend. The guys obviously take – they kind of took off running. And right. have yeah. just been, like I said, hammering through the opponents. How have you been able to keep the women on the task of, okay, let's just take our steps. We're just going to follow the process. We're going to do what we need to do while the other side – of the team is just steamrolling everybody. How have you been able to keep them from getting the uh, woe is me, the guys are really good and we're just, we can't win? They, like, I don't know how to say this nicely, they don't care. Like, they love I'm to see the perfect. success of the women, right? Yep. Or of the men, of the men's team as they're playing. Um, but they see their growth from day to day, from hour to hour, from week to week, and they're like, we're fine, we're getting better, right? And it's just, in, in part of that is due to the um, Shelby and Laney, our, mm -hmm. our it's hard to even call them upperclassmen, but they're the, the older players on the team, right? Because um, sophomores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So here's the thing with them. They came in with credits. They're graduating. They're student teaching next spring. So okay. they, you know, like they are. They're a little bit more mature. Yeah, they, yeah. they get yeah. it, right? Like, right, yeah. um, you know, and they've been through a year of college tennis, which is um, Haley Quick played a year of JUCO. It's different than what we're doing here. Um, but they, they got a year under their belt, and they understand what this looks like. They understand the teams in our conference. Um, so when I say, like, I ask them, are we still holding on hope? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're fine, Coach. We're fine. Like, and, and they're speaking for themselves, but more importantly, they're speaking for the team. Like, they, they, they understand the process of this, and they, uh, we work with Lori from the Pruitt Center a lot. Um, and one of the big things that the themes from that is that growth mindset, um, and they just latch onto that. They just, like, we need to get a little better each day, and that's all they care about. So. Uh, it's just been incredible to see that, and I'm I don't I'm not worried. <laughs> you well, know, uh, like you can be out for outside looking in, you can look at a one and three record and, and going into conference, be like, oh boy, this could be bad. It, it's the exact opposite of what we're looking at right now. They understand where we're at. They understand they played two tough Mayak teams, mm -hmm. and they played a tough Wyak team, right? right? So it's you know we're we're fine, and they they know that. Well, so. and it's you know one of the things that's been a hallmark of you your programs is that the two teams are pretty tight. And that's yeah. one of the things that I've uh, that I think John has seen it, and I've seen it in the matches that I've attended. It's the fact that like it doesn't really matter whether it's the men or the women. The the buy-in is all the way there in terms of supporting one another. And that's yeah. when you have that kind of relationship between the two teams, that makes it a lot easier. Yep. You know, if there's a separation when the men are winning all these matches and they're just kind of like, uh, oh well, I guess I got to support the women now. Yep. But that's not how it feels. It feels very much like there's a genuine buy-in there, regardless of how, which team is on the court. Because the men have also been big supporters of the women. Like, mm -hmm. if you watch a women's match, the men are there, you know, cheering them just as loud as anyone else. Yep. So there is that buy-in, you know, between the two squads. And that's always been the case, been the case, I think, under under your leadership for sure. And it does seem like the two teams are actually pretty close. And, Jacob, maybe you could talk to that a little bit more. But it seems like the, there's a, a pretty close bond between mm -hmm. both the men and the women's teams. No, that's that's probably the, the number one thing I enjoy about playing up here in Superior 2 is just the, the family atmosphere to it. Because tennis is such a mental sport. You could – you could wreck your whole season just mentally, but having this group of guys and girls and just it's like a family that you start going astray a little bit like mentally because it's big mental sport. They pull you back in, they support you, which to, to me that's my my favorite thing about up here beyond like the level of play and everything, just like the atmosphere that they provide for each other, which it's it's just amazing to see. 
And it's an important thing, too, especially with a team that is as young as the women. I mean, the men are young. The women are even younger. So they're kind of growing up together mm-hmm. in a way. This is kind of all new, you know, not just the tennis side of it, but just being in a new place, learning college tennis for some of them, and so on and so forth. So they're kind of growing together. Right. And so that family atmosphere is really important, especially when you have a young couple of young teams that are kind of mm-hmm. feeling their way along. You know, you've got the vets like Jake that have been around for a few years, but then you've got a lot of freshmen on both teams that are just kind of trying to feel this thing out. And, you know, how's this, how does this look? How does this feel? Yep. You know, how, how are we going to do? You know, and let's go through it together is kind of like kind of the overall message, yep. you know. And uh, this conversation kind of makes it seem like everything's perfect. It's never like no, no, like, no, right? like, no. There, there no. have been bumps, there have been bruises. <laughs> it's like, knows. and that's all part of the process. And uh, just the foundation that we've created, it's like okay, that that's gonna happen, right? Like, we haven't had a full women's, uh, we haven't had a women's match with a, a full strength lineup yet. We've just had players out, right? So we're we're still building to that. But um, you know, to your point, to the family atmosphere and support system, we talk about like. Okay, you watch a basketball game, a football game, people end up on the ground. What do their teammates do? Right? They pick them up, right? Yep. We don't fall on the ground in tennis, right? But mentally, it's easy to fall mm-hmm. onto the ground in tennis, right? So we talk about how can we as a team see somebody hit the ground mentally and pull them back up, right? Like it's you're, you're picking up a ball after a point. You look around, you see what your team's doing, and if they need a, uh, some support, whether it's good or, you know, they're, they're struggling, you, you pick them up, right? So we – that that support system doesn't happen without that family atmosphere, and mm-hmm. um, that's why I preach that so much. And um, sometimes you think, as a coach, if if you over preach something or you you make a rule, then the players don't like it. So you got to figure out the right balance, right? Um, just kind of hint at it a little bit, but uh, in, in a sense, it's 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 easy to have them latch onto that family atmosphere. It's been a lot of fun to watch so far. I'm excited <laughs> for conference season. I, I really am. And I am too. I'm looking forward to actually getting having some home matches I can yeah. attend and see both teams in action and kind of, you know, because I mean it wasn't the schedule so far. You guys have not exactly ducked anyone. I no, mean, this has been both teams have been kind mm-hmm. of throwing the deep end of the pool and you know you know the results have been pretty darn good so far for both teams I think and you know considering so right. yeah I'm looking forward to it for I'm, sure. I'm looking forward to it and hopefully Mother Nature stops doing what she's doing yeah. out there right now and and allows us to actually get some outdoor matches here in the spring but at some point yeah, yes at some point yeah. hopefully that'll happen but at any rate we we appreciate you taking the time today and uh and coming in and talking a little tennis with us and jake coach after thanks for stopping by yeah thanks for having yeah, us thank you guys we'll take a break we'll come back with more of i have the swarm right after this orkers island inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you apply for front desk housekeeper bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. Final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm and another good conversation with C.J. Schaffner and talking tennis. And I think you said it off air, Matt. I feel like every time they come in and we get the opportunity to talk with him and talk tennis, it's a good conversation. Yeah, we've never not had a good interview with uh, or a good roundtable with C.J. Mm-hmm. And regardless of who he brings in with right. him. Right. So, because we've had women's players, we have men's players. Yep. Um, it's always a good talk with, with C.J. And, you know, Jacob, he's, he's a good story. He, you know, he, he is. I mean, yeah. if you look <laughs> back at last year, like he brought up yeah. you know, <laughs> being injured and not being able to play and then having it all come down to you. Yeah. Awesome. 
that's a great story. And it, it, is. It, it shows how much faith, again, CJ has in his players. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm going to give this to a guy who hasn't even played more than, you know, maybe half the year. Right. You know, when he had a seasoned group of guys at that point mm-hmm. that were, you know, some of them were probably itching to go. Yep. And he said, nope, I know Jacob, and I, I trust him to get it done for us. And sure enough. And he did. Yeah, and he got it done. And uh, Great moment. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Um, so, very cool. Yeah. You know, good to see that uh, things are rolling right along on the men's side, and they're excited. You mm-hmm. can tell just by the oh, way that Jacob's talking. <laughs> you know? How can you not be? Yeah. How can you not yeah. be? Like you I know? said, they're just hammering through people. Yeah. So how can you not be excited for what's the Right now it's all about just keeping that balance. Yep. You know, keeping everybody on the same page and making sure you don't tinker too much, I right. suppose, at this point. Right. You know, and just let them go. Just roll it out there and let them play. Yeah. Hold the ball out there and let them play. 100%. Yeah. And so because they're, like you said, in a great zone right now. Right. Um, speaking of great zones, playoff zone. Playoff zone for everybody this week. Pretty much. That's still live on their seasons anyway. Correct. Men's basketball Friday the 24th, so on a Thursday, this would be tomorrow. Yes. Taking on Northwestern in the UMAC tournament semifinal round, 7 p.m., the actual game time there. Yours truly will be on the air following men's hockey with the delay broadcast, taking on the Eagles for the third time. I'm not sure how I feel about it, to be honest Tough with to you. Tough to beat a team three yeah, times in a year. especially that team. Especially that particular team. I mean, uh, they, they've – They've been the standard bearer in the league for a long time. And they played two very tight games this year. Yeah, one by three in overtime here when we played them during the regular season in the first game. And the second game took two Javon Walker free throws as – With one second on the clock. With one second on the clock, about one and a half seconds on the clock to win it the second time. So, yeah, it's going to be a knockdown dragout affair. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of looking forward to it in a certain way. I have great respect for Tim Gross. Yeah. Who is their head coach, Northwestern's head coach. He's been around the block for a long time, Mm -hmm. 22 years. He's a really, really nice guy. If you get a a chance to ever talk to Tim, he's – he saw the earth and very, 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 very skilled. Mm-hmm. He's a really good tactician. Um, and they've got players. Yeah. You know, that Northwestern, this is a down year for them. Sure. You know, finishing as number three seed, that's uncharted territory for them. They're usually one or two. Right. So uh, this is new territory for them, but they've got playoff experience. They've been there, done that. And uh, they usually represent the UMAC in the NCAA tournament. So. It's going to be a big task, but I'm looking forward to it. Yep, absolutely. So, so uh, absolutely. And then there's women's basketball. They're also playing on Friday, taking on North Central. That's a road game, two versus three matchup. 5 p.m. The opening tip from Clark Danielson Gym down in Minneapolis. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Whatever the women get out of this, just gravy for they're me. They're playing with house money already. Right yeah, now, exactly. Know? Yeah, just gravy for me. You know, and I think that's how they're viewing it too. Yeah, I think they're going to be pretty loose mm-hmm. going in. I mean, they really. You know, they play two close games in North Central as well, so there's a chance there. Right, absolutely. Yeah, um, and uh, they've been playing just really well for the last three weeks, you know, starting with that Northwestern game, mm-hmm. you know, where they won in overtime on the road. And then I think that really was kind of the catalyst. Right, Because now they without were, a doubt. Yeah, I think that, that showed them that they could compete. Yeah. They could, you know, because I mean, they played two tight games with Northwestern mm-hmm. during the year. Lost by five here, won by two down there. Yep. Um, and uh, they played two tight games with North Central too, so there's a chance there. Um, but 10 and 13 – you know, overall eight and six, considering where they started from, mm-hmm. I'll take that all day. And like I said, like you said, they're playing with house money now, so yeah. anything they get is fine. Yep. You know, just even make it to the playoffs to me is, you know, I give them a big thumbs up for that. Absolutely. So those two teams are both in the postseason. Speaking of conference championships, by the way, men's and women's indoor track and field hosting the lots of running going on. Yeah, lots of running going on in the UMAC conference championships this coming Friday and Saturday at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse. Across the street from our location here in Superior, action starts on Friday at 1.30 p.m. with action on Saturday, set to begin at 10.30 a.m., and both teams are in pretty good, pretty good position. 
Yeah, I think uh, yep. the men are going to be, uh, I think, a heavy favorite. And I, I think they're a heavy favorite. And the women could definitely push and challenge for a conference crown. I don't know what the rest of the league looks like on the women's side, but you know, the men are definitely going to be the favorite, and mm-hmm. the women, I think, will at least place pretty highly. Yeah, I think they will too. Yeah, so uh, that's what's coming up for them. Men's hockey still in action, of course. One wacky weekend behind them. Maybe another wacky weekend coming up. But either way, it should be an entertaining series against UW-Eau Claire mm-hmm. down at Hobbs Ice Arena in the WIAC Tournament semifinal round. 7 p.m. starts on Friday and Saturday. Pre-game live, 6.30 p.m. both nights. And, John, you and I were talking about this. Um, really, really tight regular season series with the Blue Golds. So Very it should be interesting. Very even teams. Yeah. Very even teams. You know, we, we beat them up here 2 nothing. They beat us down there 4-2. And then there was a 3-3 tie. So... One 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 is your season series. The goal differential is exactly the same. Yep. So flip the coin. You know this. Yep. This could go either way. Yep. This uh, could go either the way. The wacky Wyack tournament. Yep. Uh, keeps going on, and uh, the other semifinal, by the way, is Stout in Siemens Point. Correct. And the two winners will play each other in the finals. Mm-hmm. But that's a couple weeks out yet. Well, uh, or at least an extra week out. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm, and I'm not. I'm one of those people. I don't take anything for granted, especially since the mini game came into play against Northland. So yep. <laughs> yeah. Anything so. can happen. Yep. Literally. Anything can happen. And then uh, tennis, men's tennis, Saturday the 25th, they have a doubleheader taking on Minnesota Morris and Concordia. Moorhead, so a one-conference, one-non-conference match for the men at the Courts Plus Community Fitness in Fargo, North Dakota. Start times are 2 and 5.30 p.m. respectively. So the L-Jackets are uh, going to – I think they're planning on playing just about everybody if they can in those two matches, trying yep. to get people some reps. Um, same story with women's tennis. Again, Saturday the 25th, Minnesota Morris Concordia. Same location and same start times, 2 and 5.30 p.m. And then uh, baseball was supposed to start this weekend, but that got called off due to uh, inclement weather. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, they were supposed to play Central of Iowa to open up the season down in Pella, Iowa, but that got called off due to uh, uh, winter storms and snow and moisture and unavailable fields. So, unfortunately, TJ Oaks and company will have to wait until March now to get their first games in. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, nothing you can do about it. That's the, that's the danger of spring sports up in this area. Yeah, and know. then uh, softball will also start in March. So, mm-hmm. got a couple weeks out on that. But, um, yeah, unfortunately for baseball, they don't get the start. I know they're kind of itching to get going. So Yeah. Yeah, yep, so that's no what's coming up this week. A lot of stuff happening. Of course, we're in that crossover portion now where we start uh, getting uh, – down to the nitty-gritty on the winter side of things and then the start of a new spring campaign as well. So crossover season, John, it's a lot of fun, huh? It's great. <laughs> so much happening. It's just, great. Yeah. yeah. It, it makes for long days, but you know what? It's uh, it's exciting. It is. Yeah. yeah it is, so. especially when you have teams playing well. And right now we've got a whole slew of teams that are playing well. So. Yeah. Yeah, everybody is actually so, across so we'll the board, that. even starting in fall, has performed pretty highly this year. Mm-hmm. So it's been a good year so far it's with another good. season to go and – Still playoffs to go, so hopefully yep. the uh, mojo keeps rolling here. Hope we're not done yet. Yeah. Exactly. Not done yet. Right? Yeah, exactly. So that'll do it for this week's episode, and we want to thank our guests, C.J. Schaffner and Jacob Zacharias, for coming in. For our production engineer, Sanyum Shrestha, for the Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garver, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.